Radio Elton John, and we welcome you to Saturday Nights All Right for podcasting, powered by Elton John World. I'm your host, George Matlock. Today we have two very special guests who, perhaps it is more accurate to say, have followed the Elton John story and then codified it into a rather fetching, all-embracing book. Please may we have a big hand. Well, actually, no, make that two big hands, or otherwise this ain't going to work, for Nantes-based authors Romuald Olivier and Olivier Rubon. Thank you, thank you, and a big, big welcome, Romuald and Olivier. Can you hear us all right? Yeah, hello, and thanks for inviting us. Good evening. Good evening. It's great to have you on the programme, and of course... Um, I've, I've got to start by asking you this question, actually. Um, first of all, it's an it's a absolute honour for us to have you both here on Elton John, on Radio Elton John. In fact, I think it's the first interview we've ever conducted where there are two guests, so this is great. Uh, but we're not two rooms, because I think you're both in the same place, am I right? Fantastic. Okay. So um, I wanted to uh, really say, this is really uncanny, you're both French, you're both radio presenters, and you have co-written this sensational new 600-page tome called Elton John, All the Songs, which hit the booksellers this month. Our show is therefore hot off the press, quite literally. It reads like a book written by die-hard Elton fans. But I know you have collaborated on other musical publications, so are you fans? And did you source any fresh quotes for the book, or did you rely on existing interviews and biographies? Indeed, as you said, we, we have always been passionate about uh, rock music. Uh, we had the chance to, to become music journalists at the end of the 90s. Since all this time, we have worked together with Romuald in several magazines dedicated to guitar first mm -hmm. and classic rock. We have written several books, including one on Woodstock, before the one on Elton, and we still contribute uh, today to magazines like Rolling Stone in France. And over the years, we've had the opportunity to meet uh, many of our idols, you know, some of whom we listened to when we were still in high schools. Mm. But uh, we never had the privilege of meeting Sir Elton. Uh, honestly, for a long time, we, we only knew him thanks to his greatest hits. But, uh, you know, well, <laughs> we are French, and we, if we have the gastronomic culture, you have always had the rock culture. With us, that takes a little more time, you know. <laughs> uh, anyway, we became fans of certain periods of Elton's career and were able to, to become aware of his true melodic genius, which made us want to look deeply into his discography and write his book. We have searched many, many sources from the 60s until today. We read countless interviews, magazines or books, but unfortunately we were unable to obtain interviews with Elton or even with his musicians. Despite multiple requests, it's a, it's a big disappointment, but it didn't stop us. Excellent. Well, of course, timing is everything. And of course, at the moment, he's on the this tour, which is uh, 
pretty punishing, really. I mean, he's doing over 300 gigs, 333 to be precise. And, and now there's a bit of a rush to get it all done because obviously the pandemic has meant that everything has started two and a half to three and a half years late. So I think there's a bit of a catch-up going on. Um, but maybe, you know, uh, maybe he'll get, maybe he'll respond now, but maybe it's a bit too late because the book is already, already been published. But still, fantastic that you've done this book. And um, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are already talking about it. A lot of the Elton fans are, are, are talking about it. Just to be sure, which of our two wonderful voices did did I hear there? Because you both have very good radio dulcet tones. Oh, I was Olivier who was talking and Romuald is going to talk. He's going to talk now. Okay, Romuald, over to you. Yeah. Is there any perspective you would like to add to what Olivier has just said? Um, no, it's no. perfect. No, it's perfect. <laughs> well, I mean, you both have also one other thing in common, which is you have the word Olivier in your names. I, it, it's R-O yeah. and O-R. Um, how did that happen? I mean, I know we should be talking to your parents about this, really, but... <laughs> I mean, is that how you got to connect with each other? Is that how you got to know each other, because your names are so similar? <laughs> that, uh, that's uh, the hazard. Um, we, we are... Uh, we, well, we are colleagues. Uh, mm -hmm. When we we worked uh, in uh, in the same magazine, uh, and I was um, uh, how to say it. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was the boss, and I hired him, and we went to work together during many years. And at the moment, we decided to leave Paris because we were working in Paris in a guitar magazine at at the times, and we decided to leave Paris to go on the rest of France in Nantes. And we decided both uh, to to leave our, our job and and creating and create a, an agency, a communication agency uh, uh, in Nantes, mm -hmm. uh, on the rest of France. And we we stayed journalists in rock music, indeed, uh, by working with uh, Rolling Stone and other other magazines. Okay, fantastic. Now, this beautifully written uh, and illustrated book is, of course in English. Now, given French is your first language, how come it's not in French? Tell us the story there. The, the story of this book actually began in France. Uh, the publisher, Hachette, uh, has been publishing a collection entitled uh, La Totale, the, the total, uh, for many years, uh, the purpose of which is to list and analyze an artist's entire discography, album by album, song by song, uh, while placing them in an historical context. Uh, several volumes uh, have already been dev devoted uh, to, to the Beatles, uh, the Rolling Stones, and even Queen. And the, the publisher, uh, with whom uh, we had already published uh, several books, including the one on, on Woodstock, uh, offered us to work on Elton, El, El, Elton John, uh, what, um, we, which we accepted uh, to do with uh, enthusiasm. Uh, it was a long process uh, over more than a year, and the, the book was first uh, released in France uh, last uh, winter uh, in French, uh, before being translated into German and especially into English uh, for the English and American public. Fantastic. Now, I'm glad you clarified that. So it's actually available in, in at least three languages. Do you know if other languages are going to come on? Are, are we going to get this in Spanish, perhaps, or Chinese? How about that? <laughs> oh, we don't know. It, it, it could be an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to Hachette about this, I think. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, you've done a masterful job, really, at chronologically detailing every single song. 
not only off the albums, but the singles in between. From 1969 right up to the lockdown sessions in 2021. But you start your musical journey only at Lady Samantha. You did mention in your extensive write-up for the book, in a box that you called for Elton Addicts, that Elton's first song was the rare-to-find I've Been Loving You. Yet shouldn't we go back to 1965 and his recordings with Bluesology, such as Come Back Baby? Yes, you're, you're right. Uh, much has been said about the, um, the bluesology period at the beginning of the book when, when it comes to Elton's training as a musician before he realized his potential as a composer. Uh, well, even if bluesology is not Elton John yet, we have therefore mentioned Come Back Baby, but as the challenge of the book is also based on the strictly musical interest of the pieces, we preferred to, to keep pages to analyze more deeply songs that had rarely been analyzed in his discography. Mm. And then we also talk about uh, Come Back Baby when we study the, the JOL box set. And uh, as you said, uh, we often, we very often uh, mention I've been loving you. Uh, this, this one is a bit of an exception in that uh, it didn't make in it didn't make it uh, into the d debut album, uh, not even in 1995, mm. uh, when the, the record was reissued. <laughs> Does this mean that Elton wasn't really proud of I've Been Loving You? Mm. It's, imp it's impossible <laughs> to say, but since there was no success for this single at the beginning, he may have considered it as a false start. The, the, the pieces of the puzzle were sometimes scattered, uh, but uh, we tried to co complete it uh, as best uh, as we could. Mm. Oh, well, you know, when a man's got more than 500 songs to his name, he can be a bit choosy, can't he, about what he releases. <laughs> I'm guessing that's the, uh, the, the answer to that one. Now, you also include uh, a number of interesting mystery solvers in the book. So, for example, you challenged Elton's account that his father, Stanley, was not present in his formative years by citing Philip Norman's account that, uh, in fact, Dad was often present during Reggie's childhood. Now... The, the biographer, uh, Norman, uh, wrote a much-respected biography in 1991 entitled Elton. But how do we know that Norman's recent account about fatherhood is even accurate? It's a nice addition, but did Norman support his challenge of Elton's account? All, all along our research, we were able to observe that Elton frequently contradicted himself uh, years apart in the, the context of interviews or documentaries. Uh, that said, uh, it's completely understandable uh, when you, you've lived <coughs> a, a life like this. Uh, he willingly admits it himself. Uh, he is some, sometimes not very sure of his memories, in particular when it comes to the 80s, uh, which we politely qualify as foggy. <laughs> yeah. At least, in relation to, to, to your question on Norman's book, we were surprised to, to, to note this difference in point of view. As we, so we chose to, to present the two theses uh, without favoring one over the other. Mm. Uh, well, Norman's story is well argued and seems believable, especially since the whole book is believable. Perhaps Elton's somewhat ex extreme view is fueled by his regrets that he didn't have a deeper relationship with his father. Yes, of course, in, uh, in the 1990s, when uh, Stanley was, um, was uh, 
poorly and uh, really on in his last years. I know that Elton did reach out and the two of them did did meet and there seemed to be quite a, a, a bond that was formed there. And in fact, some people say that the song, the last song, was was actually written uh, or was inspired by by this uh, by this uh, relationship being rebuilt, if you like. Uh, but it's good that they at least were able to connect um, in in, in uh, Stanley's advanced years. So thank you for sharing your perspectives as well. Um, turning now, if we're made, to another uh, mystery solver, uh, and that is Ray Williams. Now, Elton's first manager and perhaps best described as Elton's career counsellor for having teamed him up with Bernie Taupin, the lyricist. Now, Ray said in 2011 that he handed Elton an envelope of Bernie's lyrics. But you say in a more famous account of it being unopened, this envelope. Um, so who gave the more accurate version of this incident? And was what was actually different about it? Was it that the envelope had simply uh, been opened by Ray first or not opened? Well, in his interview, Ray Williams implies that he had read Bernie's job application while Elton John said in his autobiography, if memory serves, that the envelope had not even been opened. But in the end, it doesn't matter. Uh, it was above all uh, fate that was responsible for putting Bernie on Elton's road. Ray Williams was only the provi providential uh, messenger, but it, it doesn't take away from his importance on, on Elton's early career. Mm. Okay, well, nice, nicely argued. And uh, of course, as we say, the rest, as they say, is history. So indeed, that envelope changed uh, their careers, both Bernie's and Elton's. <laughs> now, you chaps have kindly selected several songs uh, to feature in today's show. And this is the fun bit of the interview where we actually get to play a little bit of the music and talk actually about the music and the songs and how they came about. Because that is, after all, what your book is, is centrally uh, charged with doing. Um, so um, I, I know that one of the songs is a Leon Russell composition that Olivia, you said, is actually your favourite song. Um, you have agreed uh, to give us a flavour of, of some of the songs, and we've we've come up and looked in the vault, and I've come up with the first one, as you know. And um, let's have a little listen to this first. Okay, that's a bit of Big Dipper there from Elton John. But so before we delve into the stories. Um, Here's one I wanted to put to you. Uh, now, I selected this particular song, gentlemen, because last month uh, our guest on the show was lyricist Gary Osborne, and fans reacted to that podcast, and they said that they would love to know, um, did Gary, who's a straight man, how did he come up with a lyric so camp as Big Dipper for the Single Man album? You, Your book explains that. Can you... Uh, tell us for the benefit of the listeners. Yes, um, in, indeed, uh, Big Deeper is a thinly veiled story of gay romance and Elton and Gary, who liked uh, irony, uh, asked uh, the, the footballers of the Watford club, then chaired by Elton, uh, to lay some very manly cars. Okay. Yeah, we, we put a, a quote of uh, Gary, uh, who said it very well in the book. He said, we wanted the Watford football team to sing on it, and we couldn't make them sing words that were too effeminate. I was trying to distill some of the meaning of Elton's slightly perverse humor in his songs. It's true that once uh, that said, it's about two men who have big deeper, <laughs> a metaphor uh, so blatant that it 
it, it needs no analysis. Yeah, and it, it should also be remembered that the Soviet authorities were more insightful than the Watford soccer players and directly understood the, the meaning of the songs. Uh, they simply made Big Dipper disappear from a single man, which was released in the Soviet Union in 1980, under the title Poet Elton John. Yeah. Indeed, and uh, that, of course, Elton was uh, the toast of the town in Moscow back then because, of course, in 1979, he famously went, of course, with Ray Cooper uh, to perform several uh, several uh, uh, nights at uh, in, in, in the Soviet Union. So quite a, an amazing and historic event that was indeed. Um, but indeed, um, you, you make it sound like the Watford Football Club didn't know what they were doing. Uh, <laughs> the Soviets did, but, but Watford Football Club didn't. But anyway, uh, it's a great song and it's a lot of fun. And as you say, so real, what we call in English a tongue-in-cheek sort of song, really, I think. That yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit funny This feeling inside I'm not one of those who can now, there's a song that perhaps um, doesn't need any real introduction. Uh, of course, one of Elton's best-known songs of all time. Yeah, you've heard this song, right? I think you must have heard this song somewhere. Um, now, it's the next one we wanted to feature on on the program. Your song. Now, this um, got a lot of airtime from London DJ Tony Blackburn. Not only Lady Samantha, which you rightly document in the book. Tell us the story of your song. Well. You said it. So, so much has been said or written about your song. And as you all know, uh, your, your song is the song that marks the rise of Elton John. It, it underlines the obviousness uh, of the partnership linking Elton and Bernie. Uh, there's an iconic scene, you know, in the movie Rocketman. Uh, don't know if you remember, the, the two men are, ha are having breakfast at Elton's mother's house when Bernie hands a text to his friend once was him almost disgusted, there's tea on it. <laughs> uh, while Bernie goes to the bathroom, Elton settles down at his piano and begins to search for a melody while humming the beginnings of your song. Then, as if he was touched by grace, and he was, absolutely, he gives birth to the song in its almost definitive form. Well, even if it's fictionalized, the, the evocation of this founding moment in the career of the duo is, however, not so far from reality. And it perfectly sums up their way of working together for more than 50 years. Well, you know, Bernie took two years to write the lyrics and Elton only 20 minutes to shape the melody. I want to say it's a little bit funny, no? <laughs> <laughs> well, indeed, and Gary would uh, back you up on that. He always told me that it took so much longer to write the words uh, to, uh, to songs, even when he had the, the melody in front of him first, which, of course, is the opposite way to the way that Elton works with, with Bernie Taupin. Here's another track that you might have heard of. Well, of course, that's Tiny Dancer, another song that uh, you've chosen uh, to feature uh, in today's uh, interview. Um, what appealed to you to choose to tell the story of this song, gentlemen? Tiny Dancer is probably one of Elton's most ob obvious songs. Uh, its melody is timeless, uh, universal, and it, it, it invites you to dream every time you, you hear it. Uh, regarding his story, uh, Bernie was very direct in his lyrics. Um, since he direct, he, he, 
since he dedicated uh, this piece uh, to his wife, Maxine, it's a love song, so that explains its simplicity uh, compared to other more obscure or mystical lyrics by Bernie. Uh, it shows that Bernie is gaining maturity in, uh, at this time. He is aware of of the um, the effectiveness of his um, writing when it is di uh, dictated by simplicity. When he meets Maxine, uh, she physically uh, crystallizes his American dream. The American dream he, he idealized as as an Englishman who lived in, in the countryside. It's a, a solar song. Uh, you can almost see California uh, by listening it, uh, listening to it. Um, in the midst of of this decor, uh, Maxime Maxime is uh, indeed um, uh, this uh, blue jean baby, LA mm. lady. Uh, well, you, can, you can sing yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> whose future is uh, he, he pretends to predict uh, when he already knows the end of the story you'll marry a, a music man mm. well that's very true uh, next up it's an international anthem okay well that's of course I'm still standing a real tub thumper of a track uh, it's really an anthem for anyone standing up to adversity um, and that's why we chose uh, I'm Still Standing. We think it's a really good song. Uh, but what caught your interest with this one, gentlemen? I have to, to confess that's one of, of my all-time favorites from Melton. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's without a, a doubt the, the crushing hit uh, of Too Low for Zero and one of the most emblematic of Elton John's long career. So much he, he embraces his destiny. Everyone, you know, has, has had this feeling of being unfairly devalued or belittled and everyone has already wanted to find the necessary resources to prove their critics wrong. Elton, Elton did that with uh, mm. I'm Still Standing. And everyone could identif identify with him, you know. Um, the public uh, at, at this moment was beginning to sulk and he took this song from Bernie who was initially addressing an ex-girlfriend to tell her that the end of the love story had not destroyed him. Mm -hmm. and that he had survived. It, it was like a male version of I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. Yeah. But, but the song took another turn with Elton, symbolizing the, the rebirth of an artist and his musicians who were reunited again. The new musical express even called I'm Still Standing, Elton John's best recording since your song. And well. <laughs> what a crazy David Johnston solo, not to mention Elton dancing in the clip. <laughs> oh, very true, okay. Well, here's a song that I think Olivia is going to be grateful that I included. Now that's a Leon Russell composition. If it wasn't for bad, uh, what's the story there? Why did, uh, well, first of all, why do you like it so much, Olivier? And secondly, uh, what's the story that goes with this song? Uh, Romuald is go going to, to tell you the story, but I, I have to say that it's one of my favorite favorite also because and, and in, in fact we we we, we both choose uh, the, yeah. this song ah jointly okay uh, it, it, it is uh, the single from the album the union uh, in 2010 uh, which uh, marked the the reunion uh, between elton and his idol uh, leon russell uh, s thanks to this album, uh, it takes him out of an anonymity uh, that he considers unfair in, uh, in view of his talent. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, you as as you asked me, uh, the voice of Leon Russell mm. uh, is absolutely uh, outstanding. And Elton said of him, if you haven't had the opportunity to go and listen to him, you've missed something. Leon Russell was the greatest of all. And on this, on this song, uh, Elton is is discreet, uh, as if he wanted to leave all the limelight uh, to the one he, he admires. Uh, Leon Russell totally inhibits uh, the the piece, uh, thanks to his uh, powerful piano playing and his bewitching voice. Uh, the discreet appearance of of, of the brass all, uh, brings to uh, more uh, majesty to to the whole song. S sincerely, uh, I love absolutely all in these songs, and, and the lyrics are so dark, you know, mm. telling the unfortunate experience of a man victim of a toxic relationship. Punctuated with lies and low blows, everybody can identify with this. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you're absolutely right. Um, now, uh, just fi final song that I wanted to uh, to feature is um, really tied in with Record Store Day, which happened in the UK earlier this month. Um, so, as uh, fans will tell you, um, they uh, they managed to rush out and get a special edition of Elton's album "Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player," which celebrates 50 whole years this year. It's amazing, 1973. Gosh. Now, I wanted to ask you about one particular song, and it's about this song. So I wanted to ask you about this song. Daniel, isn't it true that this song was, um, in fact, not about a holiday maker going to Spain, which is what you might think when you listen to the lyrics, but in fact about the Vietnam War, and that uh, Elton removed one of the verses which he considered to be a little bit too political. What's, uh, what's your take? Yeah, 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 absolutely, you're, you're, you're right. Daniel uh, tells the story of a Vietnam veteran uh, who, after the horror of, uh, of the war, mm. uh, did not expect to, have to fight a new battle, uh, psychological this time, to obtain an another type of peace, his own peace. Uh, unlike um, many traumatized and lonely returning veterans, uh, Daniel is uh, celebrated on his return, but he longs only for a, a certain normalcy after the, the atrocities he, he has experienced. Mm. He therefore uh, decide, decides uh, to go into exile, to, to leave his native Texas and to go to, to Spain. Yeah, and, and and the song and the and the voice of Elton is so so are so sweet, you know. And you know, if it's about Spain, it's just because Spain rhymes with plain. Yeah, 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 you're right. Absolutely, it could have been anywhere else. It, it could have been um, Yorkshire, right? No. <laughs> Maybe not so much sunshine in Yorkshire, but anyway. <laughs> no, you're right. It does rhyme, and he, and his voice is incredibly sweet. That's a very good observation oh, yeah. you make, actually. Yeah, that's very true. Daniel is like a diamond, you know. It's it's beautiful, so sweet. Absolutely. Bernie explained uh, in in 2005, I think, uh, that uh, that he got the idea for the song uh, while reading um, a Newsweek, Newsweek uh, feature yeah. uh, one night in bed about um, soldiers returning from Vietnam, uh, and it just he just wanted to write a song that would be compassionate uh, to those uh, returning home. Uh, Bernie also said um, that a, a verse was uh, delayed, uh, as you said, uh, but Elton thought uh, it sounded uh, too su surreal. Mm. Mm. 
Mm. Too surreal, yeah. Okay, well, I've got a surreal moment for you now. Um, I, I'm going to bring up one little thing that I spotted about the book. Um, so, as you know, um, we're all diehard fans here. And so I went through the book, and which I absolutely love, by the way, um, on a personal note. And there's one song I couldn't find. And I'm about to tell you what it is, because you don't know what it is. I haven't told you yet what, what that song is. Um, and maybe there's a good reason why it's not there. So I'm, I'm all ears to hear this. It's a song that was written in 1988 by Elton and Bernie. And it was covered, or in fact, it was written for the beautiful and always wonderful Olivia Newton-John. And it's a song called The Rumour. It's not, on, it's not in the book. Damn, damn it. <laughs> You're, you're Am I right? It's not in the book, has it? <laughs> yes, but it's Romuald's fault, in fact. No, no, it's, uh, it's Olivier's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing is you, you both have names, which actually m means that there's no excuse for forgetting the song, right? Because Rom, Rom, Romuald sounds a bit like the rumour, and Olivia Newton-John sounds like Olivier. So, so you say you've got absolutely no excuse. Um, That's but, my new pseudo. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a bit of fun. Uh, listen, it's. I think the fans can forgive you for missing one song, but I will tell you, you've done real justice here. You've that's an absolutely fantastic book, and I have to say, um, you know, all I can say to you is, uh, I'm so pleased that somebody's done this because there are lots of books that do bits and pieces, but you've actually brought it all together into literally an encyclopedia, and I have to say. Um, you must have spent a long time researching and putting this together. I mean, do you mind me asking how long did it actually take to to research and and to write this book? More than well, we we could say one year and a half, uh -huh. yeah. perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah it it was long, but uh, our motivation was uh, our goal is mainly to to satisfy to satisfy sorry the the fans because we, we want to be able to 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 speak with them uh, honestly and and give justice uh, you know to the um, to the discography of the uh, of the artist and well we discovered by some sites uh, the g real genius the melodic genius of uh, elton john and in France, uh, we know that this artist is a little underrated, which is absolutely not the case in the in England, of course, and and in the United States. But it was a little longer for for the French to 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 in to, to give interest to to his discography, and we wanted to to fix it. <laughs> well, I'm I'm very pleased you did. As you know, Elton is a big uh, Francophile himself. He he has a, he yeah. has a place in in in. Uh, in the south of France, and of course, he recorded two songs with the uh, the late great France Gall as well. I mean, yeah. a lovely lady, a real siren of yeah. uh, French music, um, and it's yeah. it's something that, you know we're we're very we're very proud of that connection. So I know, I know that um, I'm sure he'll appreciate uh, what you said, and um, it's true. It, obviously, the English language he doesn't tend to record much in other languages. Um, he yeah. tends to to go with 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 English, uh, and that sometimes can be limiting a little bit like with johnny halliday you know you had uh, an incredible guy i mean the guy had effectively a state funeral when he died i mean it was amazing uh, but again he tended to record in french and that that kind of limited him uh, to the to the british audience but i know that his songs would have would have if it were re-recorded in english would have been a hit in england and america for sure they would you know for sure Absolutely, great talent. Well, Romuald and Olivier, it has been an absolute utmost pleasure speaking uh, with both of you today about your new book, Elton John, All the Songs. 
Now, folks listening to this show today, um, head over to our website, eltonjohn.world, where you can pick up a signed copy of this book if you win the competition. If you go to the, uh, the actual podcast on our website, you will see a little bit of text around it and uh, you'll find out what is the question that you need to answer and uh, we'll tell you also there where you need to send your answers. I can tell you now, you can send them to uh, radio at eltonjohn.world but all the details and terms and conditions of course apply. Uh, Make sure that though you get your answer to us please no later than the 31st of May 2023. Right gents, well it's been great. Um, I'm going to play you out um, with this uh, song which I've just um, shocked you with and um, it's a it's a beautiful song I think it's a really good it's a actually it's one of those songs that really should be on Elton's greatest hits somewhere I know uh, even as a cover it's it, or maybe he should just re-record it because it's definitely Elton it's definitely 1980s Elton it's like it, it reminds me a little bit of songs like I don't want to go on with you like that you know it's that kind of, yeah. of style it was recorded uh, and written the same year, no surprise, 1988. So there's obviously a bit of synergy there. Um, I think it's an amazing song from an amazing voice and an absolutely amazing and much missed lady. So thank you, Olivia, for this. And thank you, a gentleman as well, uh, for today's programme. And uh, here is The Rumour. And rumour has it, we're back in a month's time. Radio Elton John, thanks for listening. 